0: Well, good morning, Wooddale Church. Morning. Hey, Pastor Dale is away on a missions trip this weekend, and we 're kicking off a new series next weekend. You heard Mike talk about it just a few minutes ago about the God that can be known, and Dale is going to be speaking next weekend about how God is real, and that 's something that all of us know whether or not we choose to admit it so that 's really an interesting message, and we 're very excited for that series that kicks off next weekend, and we just wrapped up our series last weekend so This weekend, we're doing something a little bit unique. We're taking this weekend, and we're talking about our mission and our vision here at Wooddale. Why do we exist? Why are we here? And most importantly, what that then means for you and for me. So very excited for that. And it's kind of a fun weekend because each campus pastor at each of our three locations is speaking live to their campuses. Normally that doesn't happen. So Pastor Trent is speaking live to Loring Park, Pastor Brad to Edina, and uh, you all are here with me, so uh, we're excited for, uh, excited for that. But um, I, I want to begin this morning by talking about final words. You know, often we're fascinated by the final words that people speak. It, it's almost as if we want those final phrases to somehow be a representation of that entire person's life, kind of summed up into those final few words. My mom tells the story of my grandfather and his final words, her last conversation with him. He was in his final days losing his battle with cancer, and his home was just flooded by people who wanted to come in and see Grandpa one last time and say goodbye. And she went to dad at, her dad at one point and said, hey, you, know, you have all these people coming and it's so taxing on you. Do you want me to just stop and, and just tell him we, we, don't have, we can't do any more visitors? And he, he looked at her and he said, No. He said, no, it's not for me that they're coming, it's for them. It'll be helpful for them if they have an opportunity to say goodbye, so you let them come. And that just so represented who my grandfather was. Even in his final words, he was somebody that was concerned about others and not concerned about himself. This morning, we're going to take a look at some of the final words that Jesus gave to us on his earthly ministry that were recorded for us by Matthew. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter 28. And as you're all turning there, welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles as well and open up to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to begin in verse 18. So let's jump right into the passage. Matthew 28, 18. Matthew records this. Then Jesus came to them, and the them is referring to his disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is a powerful verse and a world changing verse. This is a verse where, where Jesus is just clarifying what he had been hinting at all throughout his earthly ministry that there were these glimpses, these moments where they saw that Jesus really is the one that had authority, that, that he was really the one that was in charge, and now he is just clarifying that indeed I have all authority. And the fact that Jesus calls out all authority on earth would have uh, been something his disciples would have taken note of. Because in that context, at that time in history, the Roman Empire had conquered the whole known world, and they thought that Caesar had all authority on earth. And here Jesus is saying, Caesar may think he is in charge, but he is not. In fact, I am the one who has all authority. I am the king. And Jesus is not just saying that I am a king, he is saying that he is the king and the king of kings, because notice that he's saying that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so he is in charge of everything. That is a bold statement about his kingship and about the fact that his kingdom is everything. You know, I think about Jesus in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that I think about Jesus is the fact that he is our savior. That Jesus is the one who went to the cross and took on a punishment, the punishment that was rightfully due for you and for me for our sins. And that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that you and I don't have to face those consequences, and we are able to have a restored relationship with God. That because of Jesus, and if we accept his forgiveness and his grace, and we entrust our lives and our souls to him, that God looks at us and no longer sees our past, but instead he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. And so rightfully and, and right, rightly, we often think about Jesus as our, as our savior. And that's a good thing for us to think about. But I don't always think about him as being our king. And I think one of the reasons is because we're a little uncomfortable with the idea of a king in our culture. In fact, most of us live in this nation where we, we started this nation by getting away from the power of a king. You know, the idea of a king is is something that just, you know, we don't like the fact that they have all this authority and that you can't really vote a king out of the office. And whatever a king says, you have to do. And yet Jesus is declaring that he is a king. And Jesus, our king, has given to us a command. And it's a command that those of us who are his followers need to follow. And that command is given to us in verse 19. Jesus says, therefore, in other words, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, here is what you are now to go and do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, if you're someone who likes to write or highlight in your Bible, I want to encourage you to underline or circle the phrase, make disciples. Make disciples. When Matthew recorded this in the original Greek, that is the primary verb. Sometimes our English translation can confuse us to think that the primary command is for us to go, but that's actually not true. So Jesus is literally saying we are to make disciples. That's the ultimate goal. Make disciples through our going, through our baptizing, and through our teaching. But the main objective that we are supposed to do as his followers is to make disciples. You say, well, what's a disciple? But well, we have a great series coming up in January. Pastor Dale's been working on it already about discipleship. We're going to talk about what a disciple is, how someone becomes a disciple, and the pathway to discipleship. But let me just summarize what a disciple is before we get to that series in January. Essentially, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus and who is committed to his mission of making other people who are also following Jesus. So disciples who make other disciples. That's it. That, that that's essentially what A disciple is. And so you and I are called to make other followers of Jesus. And so the question is, our king has called us to do this. And someday our king is going to call us to account for how well we have done making other followers of him. So how are you doing making other followers of Jesus? How am I doing at making other disciples? Those are questions that we need to be asking ourselves. In fact, those are questions that we ask ourselves here at Wooddale Church all the time. And the reason is because that's why we exist as a church. When we set up to create a mission statement for our church, we based it on Matthew 28, 19 through 20, because this is Jesus' command to us to go and make disciples. So uh, here at Wooddale, our mission is this. The mission of Wooddale Church is to honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's, That's why we do what we do. And so if you ever wonder at times, like, why why is the church doing that? Or why did they start that program? Or why did they change that program? Or why did they stop that program? Or, you know, why did they bring this person here? Why did they do that? It's all done to try to make more disciples for Jesus. And we think that's a more effective way for us to do it. And so that's why we do what we do here at the church. Now, there are a lot of ways to make disciples. And so because that call is somewhat broad, We as a church need a vision because a vision gives to us a picture, a picture of a near-term future reality of what it will look like when we are making more disciples. And so it's important for us to have that vision, to kind of gain some clarity, to gain some unity, and for us to go, okay, I got it. Now I understand what my role is, and I understand how we're going to go about making more disciples for Jesus. And that's why a vision is so important. So this morning, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about the specific vision that we believe God has given to us here at Wooddale and what our role in that process is. But before we do that, I just need to spend a minute talking with you about why it is so important for us to focus on a vision, why we need to have a vision as a church. And to do that, I need to use the chalkboard. And I have been so excited to use Dale's chalkboard for literally weeks. So uh, this is like the big moment, and um, I'm going to draw something that actually Dale drew for us a few years ago. So for those of you that have been a part of Wooddale for a few years, this may look familiar to you, but it's a great reminder uh, of of why vision is so important, and if you've joined us relatively recently, within the last few years, then this will be brand new information for you, and I want to encourage you, write it down with me, because it'll just start to make a lot more sense about why we do what we do here at the church, and then specifically what your role gets to be as part of that. So the reason we need a vision is because God has given us a pretty significant hill to climb. That hill is making disciples. That's hard work. It's challenging work. And so how are we going to get up this big hill of making disciples? Well, What we need is we need to begin with a vision. That's how churches begin. That's, That's how most organizations begin is they have a vision for something and they want to see that vision come to fruition. So in addition to drawing this out, I also need some help here on stage. Because I want to visually kind of show you what this is going to look like. And so uh, Pastor Heather and I talked earlier this week. And uh, Sam, is Sam here? Uh, Sam, all right, Sam, you're my guy. You're going to help me out here. So uh, Sam, I want you to stand up. This is Sam, everybody. You can give my a hand. <clears throat> Sam, thanks for being part of this. I-, I want to give to you a vision this morning. And then I want you to live this out, okay? So I want you to find at least five people who would be willing to join you up here on stage. Okay, so go ahead and go find, find those five people. So what we did is we gave Sam a vision this morning, and what he's going to be doing right now is kind of how churches continue to grow, is that uh, you reach out to people, and, uh, and a lot of people say no, and that's, that's, kind of what, uh, <laughs> that's kind of what happens around here. All right, be gracious to Sam. We, we need to help bring Sam into, uh, uh, into his help. Jacob, you can help. There we go, there we go, all right. yeah, there we go. Now we're starting to get some people. Great, all right, come on up here, up here on stage. And see, eventually what happens when we have a church, uh, all the way over, uh, folks, I'm gonna have you guys right over here, right over here is, is where I'd love you to be, just right in this spot right here. And so we started with this vision, and what Sam did uh, very effectively is he started building relationships with folks, and uh, you guys can just stand right over there. And we started, we started adding to those relationships, and that's kind of what happens is we start gaining energy, gaining momentum. People are, are invited in relationally to be part of the vision. But Sam, uh, we need to get a little more organized here. So uh, it's time for some programming, because that's kind of the next step on our hill. Uh, so can you kind of get everybody in a big circle? Is that, is that possible? Can you do that? So that's what we do. We have our vision we have relationships, and then we start adding programming to it all right, so we start adding programming. Oh, but you know what? We need to manage this thing. It's not enough just to do some programs. Now we have to make sure that everybody's communicated with, that we're taking care of one another, that we, we kind of know what's going on around the place. So uh, Sam, what I'm going to have you do is everybody's going to get just a little bit closer. And can you just put your arms around each other like a big huddle? You're going to stay that way for a while, so get cozy. All right, great. All right, so that, there we go. So, um, so that's it. So we have our vision, we have relationships, we have programming, and now we start to manage it. And It happened. The vision that we gave to Sam came to be, and we're, we've seen it lived out here on stage. And this moment right here, or right here, is oftentimes the most dangerous place for a church to be. And here's why. It's because we all have a tendency, when we climb a hill, to slow down before we actually get to the top. I'm a runner. And when people are running up a hill, it is hard work to run up a hill. And you're anticipating kind of being done running up this hill. And so oftentimes runners will will think psychologically that they're at the top of the hill before they're actually physically there. And so they'll slow down their cadence, so they'll break their rhythm in anticipation of being up over the top of the hill. But when they do that, they actually lose their momentum. And so in high school, our cross-country coach gave us a coaching tip to avoid that from happening. It's called 10 over the top, that once you mentally think you're at the top of the hill, you need to take 10 additional strides up over the top of the hill to maintain your momentum. It is excruciating. It's like the last thing you want to do when you think you're up on a hill is take 10 more strides over, but it works, and it helps to maintain your momentum so you don't fall victim to what can happen if you slow down. Because see, once the, once the church starts to slow down over the top of the hill, what ends up happening is that we have a fall off. And when we have a fall off is the first thing is that we lose sight of our vision. We forgot kind of what we were supposed to do in the first place. And so we still have strong relationships. We still have great programming and we're still managing everything like we once were, but we've lost sight of the vision. The challenge is, is most churches and this is true for other organizations too, they don't even realize when this is happening because everything they experience is still the same. The relationships, the program, and all the management that goes along with it. But what they don't realize is they've lost the vision. And when you start noticing it, it's because it's already, you've already lost your momentum. See, we lost sight of our vision, and the next thing that we start to drop or starts to drop off is our programming. And that's because new people aren't coming. Now, we still have the strength of relationships, and we're still managing everything the way we once did, but the programs aren't growing. Did you remember the original vision that I gave to Sam just a few minutes ago? I said at least five people, but I didn't say it was limited to only that. And we didn't tell them that once they got up here, they couldn't bring any more. The vision was to bring people up on stage. And, and, and what happened is what is typical within a church is that we kind of huddle up and we stay there. And then here's what happens next. Because the programming has started to fall apart, we've lost sight of our vision. The programming has started to get a little bit weak. And now our relationships start to get fractured because we're kind of wondering, like this doesn't feel like it once did. It's not as exciting as it once was. And right about now, this group is going, is he ever gonna let us get off stage? <laughs> i right, like, why are we here? But here's the thing is because it's an organization, most churches continue to manage it just like it once was. Some of you are like, now I understand why work is so frustrating, right? Because we have bureaucracies that tend to just keep going. And once this happens, especially to a church, it's not long before the church ends up not being able to make it. And as an organization or as a church, We end up having to close. Why? Because we lost sight of our vision. You say, well, how did they lose sight of their vision? Take a look at the circle over here. Where's their focus? It's inward, it's all about them. It's what they have going on, right? They're focused on their relationships, on their program, on their management. They're talking about what's happening inside the circle, but what they're not doing is they're not paying attention to those that are outside the circle. And so if somebody were to try to come and break in, they wouldn't even be able to because they're so focused on what they have going on inside. And so what we need is we need a different type of a vision or a vision that forces us not to look inward but to look outward. So, Sam, it's time for a new vision. So, here's what I want you to do, bud. I want you to have everybody stay where you are, but just you can drop your arms and, uh, oh, relief, yep. And, uh, and then uh, have everybody turn just 180 degrees so everybody's facing outward. And then you guys can grab, can you guys grab hands? Can I hold? Yeah, there, we're, still a, we're still a church. We're still relationally connected. There we go. That's the image, church. That's the image of what we need to look like as a church. We're still there. Everything's still managed appropriately. We're still in relationship. We still have strong programs. But the focus is not inward. The focus is outward. Let's give these guys a hand. Great job. All right, you guys can. Thanks, guys. Nice job. Nice job, guys. All right, so how do we do that in all practicality? What what, what needs to happen? Well, what needs to happen is that as a church, we need a vision that is compelling us to not look inward, but to look outward. Or at times when we get to the top of the hill, uh, there may be seasons when we actually need a new hill to climb, a new vision that compels us forward. But that vision must always be outward focused. And so here at Wooddale, the vision that we have comes directly from scripture, and it comes from some additional final words that Jesus spoke they recorded for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus, speaking to his followers, said this. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you would look at a map of the Middle East at the time when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking to his followers in the city of Jerusalem, which is located in the region of Judea. And the next nearest region was Samaria, So literally, Jesus is saying to his followers, you're going to be my witnesses here, near, and far. And it's an outward facing vision because his followers on their own never would have gone to Samaria or to the far ends of the earth. They would have stayed where they were in Jerusalem. In fact, they actually did initially. And if you read Acts chapter eight, you see that it's finally then that the church breaks out of Jerusalem and finally fulfills the calling that Jesus had for, for them. And so here at Wooddale, we base our mission on Matthew 28, 19 to 20, that we're supposed to be disciple makers who make other disciples and that our vision is to be witnesses for Christ here, near, and far. So the vision that I want to share with you of our church, this is uh, the image that we have of our near-term future reality, is, the vision is to, our vision is to impart the hope of the gospel to 700,000 people here, near, and far and to provide a clear pathway towards spiritual maturity. We don't want to just make other followers of Jesus. We want to make other followers of Jesus who are also committed to making other followers of Jesus. So it continues to replicate itself. That's the vision that we have as a church. And we refer to this as Vision 22. And the reason we call it Vision 22 is because it has a t- it's time-bound. So we want, to have the- we want to see this vision come to fruition by the year 2022. That's our goal. And so at which point, it'll be time for a new hill for us to climb. So between now and 2022, we want to impart, that means to share with people, the hope of the gospel to 700,000 people. You might say, why 700,000? Keep in mind, that doesn't mean 700,000 people who make decisions for Christ. That would be amazing. But it's 700,000 people that we have shared with, that we've borne, bear witness to. And the reason for that number is because that is a God-sized number. Our power as a church does not rest with us. Jesus said in Acts 1-8 that you'll receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. That this needs to be something that's a God-sized vision because we need God to do the work, not us. He does it through us. We need a vision that's big enough to remind us of that. So how are we going to reach 700,000 people? Well, we talk about reaching them here, near, and far. And so we just want to break that down a little bit. So we're going to begin with far. We talk about far here at Wooddale, we talk about the fact that we are a globally-minded and mission-minded church. We have literally over 80 different global partners around the world with whom we partner, as well as an organization that helps us do some intentional church planting. And together with all of those international resources that we have, our goal is to plant by the year 2022 somewhere between 4,000 and 6,000 new churches around the world. Now, we plant a church. Don't don't think about a place like this with a building and a steeple and and things like that. Oftentimes, these churches meet in people's homes. That's especially true in, in regions like Southeast Asia. Just a handful of believers who are gathering together, but they are intentionally there to support one another, and they are a church. The very true sense, the fashion. Now, we're only a couple years into this vision. We're about two and a half years in. And so we still have a lot more work to do, but I'm excited to report to you this morning that as of now, currently, we've already planted, since this work has begun, over 2,800 churches. Isn't that amazing what God is doing? It's incredible. And so when you give to uh, the church, you know, 20% of our budget goes to our worldwide efforts. And when you go on a short-term missions trip or you support someone to go on a short-term missions trip, you are helping to make a difference to the far ends of the earth. Then we talk about our near strategy. And when we talk about near, what we mean is our multi-site efforts. So we are one church that meets in multiple locations. So we are here at the Eden Prairie Campus. And then in 2008, we launched a campus in Edina, and then we, just a few years ago, launched a campus in Loring Park in the historic music box theater right downtown Minneapolis. And the reason that we have these multiple locations and the reason we're going to continue and we pray that God will continue to allow us to have more locations around the Twin Cities is we have this belief. The local church should be local. And we are able to do ministry most effectively in Loring Park and any Edina because we have a physical presence there. And we're reaching people and we're speaking into community needs that we would not have an opportunity to do so unless we had a physical presence in those communities and in those locations. And so we are praying that God will continue to allow us to do that. And we get to do outreach like what's happening through the We Are For initiative, like like what we're doing after services this morning where we're packing bags for homeless veterans. Mike mentioned that in the welcome just a few minutes ago. It's an opportunity for us at our local campuses to let our community know that we are for them, and most importantly, to let them know that God is for them. And we do that through those local outreach. And then we have the here aspect of it. And we talk about here, that means what happens at each campus location. And for here at Eden Prairie, that's one of the reasons that we've made some renovations around this building. That's why we created Lydia's Coffee House over there. It's not just so we can enjoy a great cup of coffee. And it has now become a personal line item on my budget, uh, by the way. But uh, the, the reason that we have created Lydia's Coffee House was to create a space for all of us to invite others to come in and enjoy community. It's an opportunity for us to invite people who would maybe never otherwise come in to the church. And it's a great opportunity for us to strike up conversations about faith. It's one of the reasons we updated our student ministry wing and our children's ministry wing is because we believe this building should be a tool, a tool for us to be used to invite people to come so that they can hear about the hope that is found in Jesus. That's why we make some of the updates and the renovations we do. But the hear strategy also has a personal element for you and for me as well. And it's something that we call ADOPT 7.0. Adopt seven is the concept that each of us come into contact with people throughout the course of our day who may not know about the hope that can be found in Jesus. And so we want to live intentional lives. And so it's an opportunity for us to pick seven of them. Maybe they're people we go to school with. Maybe it's people that uh, are in our neighborhood. It may be people that uh, we work with. Or it may be somebody we don't even know their name. Maybe they just pour us coffee at a coffee shop or they're a server at a restaurant but we are doing three things specifically for these seven people that we're naming, that we are going to pray for them on a regular basis, that we're going to look for opportunities to serve them, and that when God provides the opportunity, we will be able to share with them the hope that comes from Jesus and what God has done in our lives. And church, through these three efforts, through each of us, adopting seven people and committing to praying for them and serving them and sharing with them and uh, and opportunities for our ministries at our various campus locations. And every time that we have a program where we share the gospel, uh, whether it's through one of our events or one of our different program ministries that happen at one of our different various site locations or through the work of our international partners who are planting all these churches, every time we have a gospel sharing event or even when you tell us personal stories of what you've done, We track that, we record it, we hear from you. And to date, we've been trying to keep up with how we're doing on our vision. Again, we still have a long way to go to 700,000, but we're two and a half years in and we're already ahead of schedule. To date, we have shared the gospel across all of our campus locations with over 290,000 people. Church, isn't that amazing? Now, the reality is, a significant number of this 290,000 comes from our FAR initiative. And that kind of makes sense, and that's to be expected because we're often sharing the gospel in those regions in a place where less than 1% of the population has ever even heard the name Jesus. And so the gospel is spreading rapidly in those places, but it does mean that we still have some work to do here for us at our campus here at Eden Prairie. And in particular, I wanna give to you Four ways that you can help to be part of our vision here at Wooddale Church. So in your service handout you received when you walked in, uh, there's a little card that says, I'm all in. And on it, there are four different ways that you can help to partner with us and to be part of our vision. I want to encourage you to take this out. And as we're going through this, if God is inspiring you or leading you, I want to encourage you to start filling it out. And you'll have an opportunity to let us know that you are all in to be part of our vision here at the church. The first way that you can help to be part of our vision is simply to pray for the vision. Now that's something that you can do on your own and I would encourage you, please do that. Please be in prayer for this vision. But there's also an opportunity for you to join our prayer team. We have a team that meets on Tuesday evenings here at the church and they pray for the vision and for our church and for what we're doing in our communities. And if you would like to be part of that team, we would love to have you join us. The second way that you can help to support our vision is to support Vision 22. Many of you have given sacrificially and you have given financially to help make Vision 22 a reality. And for those of you who have joined in on that, uh, please hear me say thank you. We're grateful for what you have done and it is making an eternal difference and an eternal impact. But I know some of you may not have been able to join in on Vision 22 when we first introduced it a few years ago, or or maybe you've joined us since and you would like to get in on the action. And if so, uh, then I want to let you know, just check that box uh, on your response card. We'll be in touch about how you can become a supporter of our vision and our ministries here at the church. The third way is that you can serve on a ministry team. This is a great first step. If you're not sure where to begin is to jump in on a ministry team. In fact, we have great ministry teams in our children's ministry, our student ministry. You saw Mike here just a little bit ago. He's relaunching our senior high program and great opportunities for you to engage there. And there is opportunities for you to be part of our tech team that kind of helps to make that a reality or opportunities for you to be part of our connections team. Now, Let me tell you a little bit about our Connections team. I have this belief about the church. And my belief about the church is that when someone comes into our gatherings, they don't experience something, they experience someone. And that someone is Jesus himself. And that means that our campuses, when somebody walks in, need to feel different than any other place they go in their life. That this should be the most welcoming place in the Twin Cities. And we can help to create that environment through our connections team. And we have a team that does a great job here at Eden Prairie, but we have a very specific need at this campus, and that is in our parking lot. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are eight different ways to get into this building. Eight different (laughs) ways to get in the building. You come for the first time, it is overwhelming. You don't even know where to park. And so by having a dedicated area for first-time visitors to park, is a great way for us to begin a proper welcoming experience for people right before they even enter our doors. And so if you want to be part of a team that helps to create that, that it's intentional about creating a guest experience out in our parking lot so that this can be the most welcoming place in the Twin Cities, then just let us know. You can check that box and you can be part of the team that's going to create that environment. That also means for the rest of us that that might mean giving up a preferred parking spot for a guest. And that might mean that we have to walk a few feet further to get into the building. And I know that's an inconvenience for some of us, but let me remind us that our King has called us to make disciples. And if one of the ways we can do that is by helping to create a more friendly environment for people that join us for the first time, I think that's the least that we can do. The fourth and the final way that you can help to be part of our vision is to simply invite others. You know, we're going to be praying for these seven people that are on our adopt seven list, but I want to encourage you to take it one step farther and sometime in the next three months, so between now and Christmas, to just invite one of those people to join us for services here at Wooddale Church. And when you do, don't just sneak in and sneak out. Bring them to one of our welcome center locations so we can properly welcome them here at the church. It's a great way for us to know that you're helping to live that vision out and then we get a chance to engage with those uh, folks directly as well. And here's the reason that we do that is that we never know who is just one invitation away from life change. We have a great ministry here at the church called Celebrate Recovery. It's for anybody with hurts, habits, and hangups. So that means all of us. And Brenda was invited to join Celebrate Recovery just to come check it out. And that simple invitation made all the difference in her life. Please watch her story.
1: My struggles began really after my first divorce. With the shame of going through a divorce, I did not believe that God or anyone would want me involved in a church. I felt, who's going to love me? Who's going to forgive me? And especially, why would God even want somebody like me? So I fell into the arms of someone else, I was so depressed and so anxious and wanted to commit suicide. It was as if I was completely dead. I mean, there was not even a glimmer or a smile or any emotion that could have been pulled out of me. While I was still in my second marriage, I had the opportunity to be a host in a restaurant. And I was especially fond of Bruce and his son. They would come in and, you know, I'd ask what's new. And Bruce would talk about this new ministry that he was involved in, Celebrate Recovery at Wooddale Church. And again, I didn't know what I was really seeking, but this just resonated with my heart and my soul. I walked in. They were so non-judgmental, and they didn't even know my story. The Holy Spirit was just like coming through all of them. What I learned is that we can all be forgiven, and that God's grace is good enough, and that I'm good enough. I saw in the bulletin that they were gonna do adult baptism. I signed up right away. It was then. And right then and there that I turned my life 100% over to Jesus Christ. I became white as wool. There was no more shame. There was no more hiding. Broke free of the chains that were binding me. There was so much love in my heart and wanting others to receive what I had received. I wanted to just greet people. I wanted to be at the information table. I was just on fire for the Lord. Everyone can put on a good face like I did, and in reality, they are as broken as I was. Without Bruce's invitation, I would have been in a a spiral, in a downward spin. But now, I love the Lord with my heart and my soul, and my spirit is just alive again. I am just forever grateful that Bruce invited me.
0: Church, that's why we do what we do. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I want to be part of the vision, but I just, I don't, I don't know. Like Kyle, it's not my style to invite people. That's just not who I am. Or, you know, we're just not in a place where we want to support anything right now. Or, or, or I, don't, I don't know if I have the time to be part of a team. I, I, just, I just don't know if I can do this. I just, I want to encourage you with the final words that Jesus spoke. So I I, I never finished verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28. After Jesus told us that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him and after he then called us to go and make disciples to baptize others in his name and then to teach them everything that he had taught us, he then said this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, we serve a king that doesn't just call us to go do his bidding and then sit back and idly watch as we try. Our king goes with us in this work. In fact, the reason that Jesus calls us, the reason that Jesus asks us, invites us to to do this with him isn't because he needs us, he doesn't. Jesus invites us to be part of it because that's where he is. And he longs for us to be in his presence. That's why Jesus invites you to join him on mission. So I want to remind us that when we choose to be in on the mission and the vision that Jesus has given to us, our great king, our king doesn't just call us, our king is among us in that work. Would you please stand as we pray and then respond to God's call. Father God, we are so grateful for this incredible call and vision and challenge that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that we here at Wooddale, at all of our campus locations, Lord, would be unified by you and by your spirit to what you have called us to do. Lord, that we would remember and recognize that, Lord, it's not because of us and it's, it's not for us that we do this, but, Lord, it is for you and because of you. And so, Father, might we remember that when we go about your work, sharing the hope that comes from you and you alone, that you, our great king, are among us in that effort.
1: Lord, thank you for that amazing promise. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.